The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Today, um, we are. I am your host, Maureen Metcalf, and we'll be talking to Jim Vave. Jim is the CEO of Varmint Guard and also the CEO of Spirit of EQ. So our topic is emotional intelligence or emotional quotient, and what we're going to talk about is how it is foundational to leadership. Um, Jim uses a highly validated assessment from the six-second group coming out of Daniel Goleman's work, and um, he helps leaders become more aware of their own emotional intelligence and how that impacts the, how that drives the impact they have on an organization. I've known Jim for about 20 years, and uh, mainly initially as the CEO of VarmentGuard, so I found it fascinating that as a highly effective CEO, he was also incredibly committed to emotional intelligence. So I wanted him to share a little bit of that background, how, because many of the CEOs I've worked with uh, have come to emotional intelligence, and that is what has made them highly successful, and yet that journey is interesting and unique for each one. So uh, what Jim will share will be part of his journey and also the difference he has seen in his company based on the work he has done personally with EQ and the work he's done with his uh, employees and leaders. Uh, Jim is interesting also beyond work because he is a leader in our community and specifically has a passion for working with prison ministries. So, again, he'll share how does all of this connect and how does EQ play a role or lack of EQ play a role in people ending up in prison. So, so part of what I want this Voice America series to provide is valuable information to leaders and emerging leaders that will help them lead organizations in this very dynamic time that we're facing. Drawing back to the conversation we had initially with Susan Cannon on the futures we're experiencing between now and 2050 and really exploring what do leaders need to do now and going forward to help their organizations be effective. In addition to sharing models and experiences, what I really invite you to do as the listener is be listening with an ear for what are we talking about that you might want to to experiment with in your leadership domain. So the question becomes, how have you innovated or updated your own leadership 
algorithm or leadership behaviors recently. And by doing that, how do you stay current? If you're not updating, you're at risk of depreciating as a leader, just like we do with our technology. And so how do you stay as current as possible? And I hope that through these conversations that each of you is able to hear something that is worthy of experimenting within your own life and also sharing with uh, colleagues and, and people who work for you. So we'd like you to leave today with a clear understanding of how you might apply some of Jim's ideas and recommendations to your own leadership and organization and take this opportunity to hear something that you can implement. So uh, we are going to now move to Jim talking about EQ. Um, So Jim, help us understand uh, how did... how do you connect um, Varmint Guard with emotional intelligence? That's a, that's an interesting journey to me. Well, so Maureen, thank you for having me on the show today, and I do want to try to explain that to the best of my ability. So one of the things that occurred to me when we first got started working is that all companies out there have a certain toolbox, if you will. They have a product that they're selling or a service that they're selling. They have the materials that go along with the product or service. They have a group of people or a segment of society that they can hire from. And they have a certain uh, type of training that they might do for that group of people that they hire. And what we found out is that we were just like all the other uh, test management people in the country. We weren't any different than anybody else, and we all are trying to differentiate ourselves and stand out from the crowd. And I thought to myself, hmm, so when we walk up to a household owner, they expect us to do all the things that I just mentioned. They expect us to have our truck, and they expect us to be trained, and they expect us to be able to do the job that we said we could do. That That's a no-brainer. What they hope for, which is beyond the expectation, is that we're going to treat their concern with respect, that we're going to give them hope to be able to make a difference in their lives. And that's where the emotional intelligence comes in. If we can't hear or see the emotions that are going on with the person we're talking to, then we're not going to do a very good job. Cool. Thank you. So so can then you define for us a little bit more what is emotional intelligence or emotional quotient? So emotional intelligence or emotional quotient is the opportunity to be smarter with feelings. And here's what that means. There's uh, three main areas that different uh, masters of this uh, way of thinking have come up with. And they call it different things, but for the sake of this conversation, let's call it know yourself, choose yourself, and give yourself. So the know yourself is awareness, and that's awareness of your emotions. Choose yourself as your intention or your decision-making, and that has to do with how you 
operate the awareness with the awareness and then give yourself is your purpose in life. Why are you doing anything that you're doing? What's next on the agenda? What do you stand for? What's the integrity that you walk into an environment with? And so emotional intelligence is all of that rolled into one pie, if you will. Now, underneath each one of those life pursuits, let's call them life pursuits, are competencies. So in Know Yourself, you have two competencies. and Choose Yourself, you have four competencies. and Give Yourself, you have two competencies. And what those competencies do is they tell yourself and or somebody that's assessing you what it is that you're good at and what you would like to improve and what you might have a natural aptitude for. And it's been said that if you take away emotions, people have a very hard time, if not impossible time, of making any kind of decisions with their cognitive thought process. Hmm. So, so how do you translate this framework into your company and also into the work you're doing in consulting? Because it sounds kind of theoretical, and I love theories, but... Um, for our listeners, what do they take away from this that they can use? And then the other question will be, what's the benefit to me as the listener to, to do this stuff? Well, one of the things that I... Okay, so let's put this in practical terms. Thank you. So when you, when you take an, an assessment... Okay, or you're talking to somebody that's been trained in this uh, type of understanding. Um, what we're looking for success factors in life. I think it's incredibly important for all of us to know where we stand uh, in trying to be successful with whatever our chosen journey is. So one of the things that happens from emotions is how effective are we? So how effective are we in a business environment, a personal environment, or so forth? How do we do it relationships? Do we, do we blow the relationships when we start the conversation? Are we awkward with the conversations? Do we not necessarily notice signals that people are giving us that we should notice so we can turn the conversation in the direction that we need to? How's our health doing? And I'm not talking about necessarily your physical health, but the capacity to maintain optimism and uh, energy to do what it is that you need to do. And that comes mostly from our emotions. How's our quality of life? What kind of life do we live? Do we have the ability to maintain balance and satisfaction in everything that we're doing? And without understanding our emotions, we have a hard time doing that. So I'm hearing themes about understanding my emotions helps me think better, and understanding my emotions helps me have a higher quality of life. Is that yes. am I hearing that right? Yes, and so so an example of a higher quality of life is do you want to go through life on a two-dimensional plane or a three-dimensional plane? Emotions, both what people consider bad and or good, give us texture, give us color, give us 
feeling. And we can grab a hold of that and we can hang on and enjoy it. And when we have to deal with the, with the emotions that some people consider negative, that we have the horsepower, if you will, or we have the fuel in the tank to be able to handle those down times, that we understand what, what's happening. And it's not the end of the world, that we have the ability to look at the positive. So, so I'm thinking of things I've heard uh, from clients. It's things like, you know, I'm smart. I do a great job. I'm not very emotional, and that's okay with me because I don't want to feel that those negative things, the bad, the anger, the frustration. So why would I want to do this? Uh, something like self-awareness. Why, why do I want to be self-aware? I'm smart. That's enough. What, what's the argument that you would make to that individual? <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> you know, so you're, you're opening up a can of worms here. And it's sort of fun, though, in a way. So Harvard Business Review in, in December of 2001 uh, did an article, not an article, their whole um, review that that month was leadership's first commandment know thyself <laughs> all right so we have emotions and even though we say that we don't want to feel them because they feel bad and it doesn't help us to feel them and we would rather just ignore it and focus on the good stuff well unfortunately we're still feeling them we just tend to stop them and when we stuff those emotions and we don't deal with them and we don't feel them, we end up having issues. And those issues can be in uh, quicker to anger. Uh, you could have uh, physical illness. You can have confusion. You can have all kinds of things that would cause problems in your life. So you are an instrument of leadership. Do you know yourself at least as well as you know everything else about the business? Because people tend to do 27% of what you say and 67% of what you do. So if you exhibit behaviors that make sense and don't cause people to get excited, then you're doing what it is that you need to do from an awareness standpoint. So something you just said really resonates with me, and that's, as the leader, I am the, I'm the tool, right? How I behave, how I act, how I look, how I, my, my level of presence in a conversation. Right. My, my other tools may be my laptop and my phone, but mainly I'm the primary tool. Right. And so, 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 here's an, so here's an application of that tool, Okay. So emotional intelligence helps us to scan a group to read what the readiness of that group is to receive new information. Okay. It helps us it helps us to assess a client's understanding of a proposal that we're giving them. Because we have to understand, oh, are they getting ready to say no? Did we say something that was wrong? And the next one is understanding our own reaction to a new situation. So what happens if we're presented with something that, that is uncomfortable for us and we, and we don't respond to it in the way that we should? 
How about knowing when to use humor and other techniques to change the mood? Because we do have to use humor and other techniques to change the mood. It sometimes needs to be changed. Or how about making sense of our own emotions, understand the meanings or the causes or the effects of our feelings and, and what we're doing to other people when we're, when we're having these meetings? And again, the, the, the idea, if it were just about me, I'd like to ignore some of my emotions. But the idea that when I ignore them, they become contagious is really the, the, the compelling case for me to pay attention. Yes, and so, so think about it from this perspective. So others are constantly watching a leader's uh, emotional state regardless of whether we want them to or not, they are. And they're watching to see if the leader's putting on the life jacket. <laughs> okay? Yeah. And, and they're watching to see if the leader's in a good mood. And when a leader walks into the room and they're not aware of their own feelings and they, they act in a certain way, it tends to create the environment that they um, might or might not want. So is it safe to say when we talk about toxic leaders, those are often people who don't have awareness and command of their own emotions? Um, they are people that don't have awareness and command of their own emotions. So without understanding your emotions, they remain vague, they remain confusing, and they remain misleading because you don't understand what it is what you're doing, and, and people that are not in touch with their emotions are often distant from other people, the people around them that they need to be able to connect with, and as leaders, we can't afford to do that, and we might even be surprised by some people's reactions. Uh, we might make mistakes in interpreting what it is that we're seeing when we could have made things happen a lot smoother. So... The other criticism or thing I hear, uh, I work with a lot of technical people, is this idea that if I'm dealing with emotions, I am somehow touchy-feely. Uh, you know, we don't want you to come in and do, dump, do some crazy kumbaya thing. So just come in and get the work done. And so, again, I, I feel like I'm circling back to the same thing, and yet I've heard it so often that... It is helpful to hear from you as an expert. How how do you respond to that? All right, so if we're not aware of our own emotional messages that we're sending, okay, and there is going to be a lack of coherence, okay, and what I mean by that is what we're saying and what people are hearing are two different things. And so the dissonance reduces trust, and trust is the main thing that we're looking for in understanding our emotions. So let me be very clear in saying that if you're not touchy-feely to begin with and you're aware of your emotions, it's not going to change what you already are. Okay. All right, you will always be who you are. See, some people process emotions data first, and some people process emotions emotion first. And it's okay. Either one of them works. Got it. Okay. So let's go to break, and we'll be back in a minute with Jim Dave. We are um, innovative leaders, driving thriving organizations, talking about emotional intelligence and how that helps us as leaders be more effective in our organizations.
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. This is Maureen Metcalf, your host, and we are with Jim Zave the CEO of VarmentGuard and Spirit of EQ. And so, Jim, let's move into a discussion about how do you work with clients? Because I I assume that in the consulting space, people call you for all kinds of different uh, permutations. And in full disclosure, I have also been a client. Uh, So give us some examples of how clients might uh, reach out to you, and, and what would they experience? All right. So clients have a hard time identifying usually what it is that their emotions are telling them, and they're trying to get a handle on it. In our, in our society, it's my opinion that we don't help people to understand the emotions that are going on within us. So when somebody calls, so they want to know, okay, so what's going on here? Why am I having problems with this particular um, issue or part in my, my company? Why are the people reacting this way? So here's, here's some of the stuff that we have to do. We have to ask questions and we have to listen. And listening means not talking. <laughs> Okay, it doesn't mean coming up with an answer. It doesn't mean thinking ahead of what the client's going to say because although I've done thousands of these assessments and trainings, it doesn't mean that I know what this particular client's going to need when we get done talking. And so we listen and we say, okay. So we have to be able to get a baseline, and baselines are very important. So we give them an assessment. The assessment is a psychosymmetric tool. It's not 
a phase one tool. It's not a, a level A tool. It's not like some of the other ones that I could mention, but it's an assessment that gets down and down and dirty into what somebody's feeling. And because of that kind of assessment, we cannot share that information with anybody else without permission, either from the person that's um, taking it or so forth. And when they take it, we get back together with them and we debrief them. And so what ends up happening in a debrief is we have an understanding of where they are from their life pursuits, what's, what's really strong for them, what do they believe in. And then we have an understanding of their success factors, like are they effective or their quality of life. And then we have an understanding of their competencies. So do they do a, uh, a consequential thinking well? Do they have empathy? Do they have optimism? Do they know how to navigate emotions? Do they have understanding emotions from a literacy standpoint? Do they use feeling words? And all of that stuff that I just mentioned has validity in trying to get people to accept who they are emotionally. So then if that works to the point that I'm talking about, then they say, okay, let's go further. So what we have to do is find out something like this. What somebody believe in? What's their noble goal, if you will? Where, where do they want to go with their lives? And so why is a noble goal important? A noble goal is an overarching sense of purpose. It stands before everything else. If somebody's really living into their noble goal, the, the card they buy, for instance, will reflect their noble goal. Their house that they live in will reflect their noble goal. The way they spend their money will reflect their noble goal. How they choose their partner in life will reflect their noble goal. And uh, so consider this. Let's just do the real basic one. If there's a company that has a mission statement, and the mission statement is basically the noble goal for the company, and then there's a person that you're hiring to come to work for the company, and they have a noble goal, even if it's not articulated, that is in total direct conflict with the noble goal of the company, how can we expect that to be a good relationship? Do you have an example of that? Because, again, I'm thinking people are listening and saying, look, this, this my goals, none of your business. I'm coming to work to do a job, and as long as I do that job, you shouldn't care what my goals are. So well, unfortunately, unfortunately it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Um, people's noble goals do indeed direct what they do in their lives. And if somebody's hiring you to do a specific job, your noble goal, your emotions come to work with you. So let me give you an example. Let's say that somebody um, wants to uh, come to work for a company that does outdoor equipment, okay? And they find out that part of the things that the company does is that they support um, gun advocacy, okay? Uh-huh. And let's assume that the person's noble goal that's coming to work for the company and supports gun advocacy is a pacifist of the highest order, and they don't believe in guns, they don't believe anybody should have them, and they, they do peace marches on the weekends and they do whatever. And I'm being extreme in this example, 
But what happens if that person comes to work for this outdoor equipment company that they did not know had that kind of stand? Mm-hmm. They're not going to be happy with each other. Okay. It, it, and again, we're, we're assuming I have, I as the employee, have enough of a level of self-awareness that I, I realize I'm dissatisfied. Well, you, you, you're, dis, you're dissatisfied. You just don't know why you're dissatisfied. Ah, okay. So, so if we have an employee that... Um, okay, so there's another um, Gallup poll that came out recently, and they said that um, people, 70% of, of people responding said they do just enough work to keep their jobs. 70% said that? Yep. Huh. So, and... 30% are saying that they don't like the people they work for, period. And so this is that misalignment. It's the misalignment because they're working for somebody that they don't believe in their core values. So if I'm working for someone who's, who has different values than I do, is there a fix or do I need to find a new job? Well, that's a good question, and I guess that um, I would say to you that it depends on how much the company wants to uh, spend to fix it, and here's what I mean. It's been estimated that the average cost to replace a um, regular line worker is somewhere around twenty-five dollars to $40,000, depending on the industry. A C-suite person might be as high as a quarter of a million. So if that's the case, and it costs that much money to replace somebody that's disgruntled, and yet you could do training with people to help them understand how they fit in with themselves at home or at work, and you spend $15,000 for the company, doesn't it make sense that you'd want to do that? Does that training help me alleviate the misalignment? Yes. Oh, it does. Okay. Because it makes you it makes you understand why you have feelings like you do. The misalignments that people are having in companies have to do with emotions. It doesn't have to do with technique or structure. It has to do with how you feel about something. Now, see, we sit there and go, you're not supposed to bring your emotions to work. You're not supposed to bring your home to work. You're not supposed to bring your work to home. Unfortunately, that never works, and it happens constantly. People bring their problems from home into work and work back to home. Uh-huh. And we have to know how to deal with that. And if you don't get trained in how to deal with that, then where are we going to end up? Now, see, we used to mentor each other. We used to have uh, the kind of life where people were mentoring younger people to act and behave and do things in a certain way. That doesn't happen anymore like it used to. So, so I take this assessment with you, and I get my feedback, and it tells me, I'm a little light in the empathy department. Um, so <laughs> what might I do? How do well, you, can, you after you can, you I have can, gotten this? I'm, I'm good in many things, but not so good in this one or two or three competencies. 
All right, so let's just talk about empathy real quick. Empathy can be increased by how you look at other people. All of us have the ability to feel emotions coming from other people. Some of us just acknowledge them. Some of us don't. Some of us, very few of us have had damage for a variety of reasons in our lives where we shut that part of us off and we don't want to acknowledge that those feelings are out there because they're too painful. But if people have been trained to have an understanding of what they're feeling, why it's coming into them, and how to deal with it, which is navigating emotions within you, Mm -hmm. then you can do a much better job of relating to the people around you. So this even, I'm thinking of a specific application where, say, I am working with someone I find challenging. Um, By having an awareness that every time I meet with Bill, um, I feel anxious because I know Bill's inclined to yell at people. Um, And so I, I am able to manage my sense of anxiety before I go in to meet with Bill. And... Also think about um, something maybe that I like about Bill that, that puts me in a more positive frame of mind. Is that an example of, of a way to use my self-awareness, self-management um, to, to more effectively manage difficult employee relationships? Yes, and so let's use an empathy to take it a step further. Um, so have you ever heard it said to walk a mile in my shoes? Uh-huh, but Bill's shoes are different than mine. Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> yeah just, a, just a little bit. Um, so why don't we learn how to walk in somebody else's shoes? How does how's Maureen feel? So I'm sitting here talking to Maureen, and I'm thinking I understand it because I'm projecting on her what mm-hmm. my opinion is. If I want to get along with you and I want you to buy into something that we're trying to accomplish, we're never going to be able to do that by me telling you how you're supposed to feel. No, giving me a cup of coffee might be a good start. Um, so, So it really is taking that time to... And it takes time, right, to prepare myself to go into this meeting with Bill and imagine what he's going through. So I may know that his spouse is ill, and so right. he, may have, he may be pretty concerned and, and distracted because he's worried about an upcoming doctor's appointment. Well, for us to be able to expect somebody whose spouse is ill to behave in a traditional or an expected way is just plain ludicrous. So I don't get to say that he's at work and I'm paying him, so he should just buck up and get over it? It's not going to (laughs) happen. Too bad for Well, it's just not. I mean, we can sit here and we can do all, we can read all these self-help books and we can look at all these management books, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but people are not going to change the way that they're feeling about something that's happening in their lives. A sick spouse is in the top six stressors in our lives. Okay. So so it is time to go on break. And, Jim, this is really helpful to me to think about um, the model and the messages I've heard my entire life, right? Just get over it. Get back to work. Um, How do we – hearing the practical response of it is not possible to get over it. So how do we start thinking about our – 
precious employees and colleagues and clients um, in a way that is more human. So this is Maureen Metcalf um, with Jim Vave. We are um, innovative leaders driving thriving organizations, and we will be back after a break. Thank you. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, this is Maureen Metcalf, um, the host of Innovative Leaders, Driving Thriving Organizations. We are with guest Jim Vave talking about emotional intelligence. Where we left off before the break was Jim was walking us through how you would go through the emotional intelligence assessment and then how he might work with a client helping them improve their emotional intelligence. And also he gave some examples of the financial investment and the payback. And so the impact of working with a coach on emotional intelligence uh, versus just uh, hoping things will get better or firing people who are, are uh, not attending to their emotions and consequently behaving in a way that is not supportive in the workplace. So, Jim, is there anything else you want to walk us through with regard to how you might work with clients? What, would, what yeah, that so, experience like? Okay, so can we talk about motivation a little bit? Sure. So motivation in the emotional definition is to gain energy from personal value and commitments versus being driven by external forces. And motivation in its application, if you will, is to make decisions, since you're a leader, based on your own values and principles. Listen to people without being influenced. And how do you 
ignite fire within for enduring stamina. How do okay, you, so it is external how, and internal then. Right. Okay. So how do you do how do you turn down short term rewards that could compromise ethics? See, what's happening in, in our business culture today, and not, and not all businesses are doing this, the ones that are standing us out as being leaders are people that are turning down short-term rewards and do not compromise their ethics. How do we create loyalty that are by making decisions that are not self-serving? And, and emotional intelligence helps us to do that because we can see how people are feeling about the things that we're doing. So, so that's that part. So I've got the self-awareness part and the self-management. Now this is the I'm awareness, uh, I am aware of what other people do and I manage myself such that I get the response that we are looking for as an organization. Yeah, so some leaders waste their time and their energy trying to please others and maintain some kind of image, and they enter into this zero-sum game, if you will, where they are compelled to accumulate credit and power and prestige. And so if if they use that model, and that's an emotional model, they have to spend all their time and work to reinforce that hierarchy of needs. Okay. And they, that means that they take credit from other people. They squelch rising stars. They profit at others' expenses. And you see this in the paper constantly. You see it on the news constantly. You see it on Facebook and other kinds of social media where people are doing just those things. So maybe, emotionally speaking, we can create an organizational culture that reinforces people, helps them to create no dependence on external rewards, but they are doing this because they are being called to do it and want to do it to make the environment better. Okay, so we're shifting from external then to internal motivation. Yes. How do you do that? It's it's the question of what your noble goal is. Oh, wait, okay. I just went back to the noble goal. Okay, so this what do you, is... What do you, what, do you, what do you believe in? What, what's important to you? Where do you want to go with your life? If you just want to make money and have power and people see you because you're staying on stage, then maybe you're not ready to understand what your noble goal is. But I will submit for your consideration that I've seen some people on TV that are doing some political things, who I won't mention any names recently, <laughs> that are trying to maybe, maybe try to do just that. Maybe they're trying to use their noble goal to make a difference in our country. And people are starting to pay attention. They're starting to get some groundswell because they're hoping. They're just seeing it. There's a possibility there might be some hope here. And that's what they're looking for in the leaders that are running companies, the same kind of thing. They're looking for somebody that they can have hope in. You know, it's interesting, and again, I am am struck by... Uh, even my awareness of my own reaction, that what I grew up with was this old model, and I'll say outdated model, um, you leave your emotions at the door, you manage yourself, you show up, you sit down, you work. And 
you may put your emotions back on when you leave, like a coat or a hat or rain shoes, but you don't express them and engage them. You leave your passions, you leave your goals, that noble goal stuff, you leave that out. And I think what you're pointing to with Gallup and um, Boyatzis' research and Goldman's research and several others, that if I actually bring that stuff in the door and I don't take it off, that I am going to be more engaged, more productive, and more effective. I am saying that, but I also am saying that because you're bringing stuff in, it does not give you a license to run around the muck. Yeah, I'm, I'm, whatever emotional expression I have, it still has to be professionally appropriate. It does, and if if somebody is running around amok and you've known them to be professionally appropriate consistently, I think it's time to pay attention and do something to help. Okay. So, 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 so I now have another set of activities. I have to pay attention to the emotions of my employees in addition to their work product and my own emotions, and I have to manage all that stuff in addition to what I would have called the real job doing the work. So well, you've yeah, expanded it's, the it's, definition. It's a, it's a little bit more than that. It's, it's being aware of who you are and who the people are around you and sort of just wearing it like your skin. And that's something that you have to practice at. And then for the people that are trying to make a serious difference in the world, they know how to do that. And if we practice knowing ourselves and knowing other people, we'll make the kind of difference that we want to make. So, so this self-awareness stuff, and I, and you know, I'm playing devil's advocate because you know me that uh, a lot better than this. But... That's what I always appreciated about you. <laughs> so, if I start practicing this self-awareness stuff, it stops being an extra job, then, and just becomes part of who I am. I just am aware and I am um, conscious that I'm feeling a little stressed or nudgy or awkward or uneasy, whatever the thing is, um, or, or maybe excited, too. I'm, I'm happy about something. So I'm aware that I'm feeling those things. I choose what to share and what not to share. So that balance of authenticity versus don't be a dope. Um, and I, I have another set of tools beyond being aware that is self-management. Right. Okay. And these just become part of who I am. Yes, and so wearing this as a suit of clothes, if you will, or as your skin, okay, you don't have to feel like it's a job or a chore or whatever. And see, here's the point that I want to keep on making. Regardless of whether you think it's worth your time or not to understand emotions, you are still going to be affected by them. (laughs) Yes, you are. So you can sit there and ignore them if you want to, but they're still going to affect you. Because one of the things, that this is just basic brain science, but the one thing that happens, and so let me try to put this in perspective, the amygdala, which is if they're buried in the bottom of the brain, is our fight, flight, freeze, or flock response center. So if we get startled or or if we're 
afraid of something, one of those four things is going to kick in, and we're going to do it quickly. It's going to happen in a tenth of a second. Now, here's the interesting thing that people don't consider. Human beings are wired to be able to understand when somebody's in one of those modes. So if you're in a group of people in a room and somebody gets startled and they start acting like that, it starts our own amygdala to acting like that. So this is that whole mirror neuron thing? It's a mirror neuron thing, and we end up getting into trouble because then the whole room spreads, and they start acting in a fight, flight, freeze, or flock response, and those people in there that are trained to be able to restore order are being called upon to do that. So this is the contagious nature of emotions, that I almost can't help it. It's a physiological response, almost like a parent hearing a baby cry. That is exactly true. And the, the parts of my physiology activate when I have an employee that's distressed or a boss that's angry, that it, and I can't necess- I can control my reaction to it, but I can't control that it's going to happen on occasion. No, you can't control that it's going to happen on occasion, and you're still going to feel it. They just might not know that you're extremely angry when you're just showing them that you're somewhat angry. That's always my hope. Right? Well, and, that, and, that's, and that's the point to understanding emotions, that mm-hmm. you can do something with them and use them to your benefit and the people around you's benefit. Yeah, I, I call that kind of the early warning sign, that I'm a leader and can manage it before I do something that I can't repair. And how many times have you said something that you wish you had never said? Less now after working with EQ than before. Well, and I would have to say the same thing, because once you say something, people say, oh, don't worry about it. Unfortunately, we remember that for the rest of our lives. Yeah, you can't take that stuff back. And we can't take it back, and we do make a difference in people's lives. Yeah, I can think of some things I've said to people I care about. That's the worst part. It's not strangers on the street. It's it's a business partner or a, a family member. So what happens if you say that to one of your employees, say something that's just really hurtful or nasty or arrogant or stuck up, and you need them to believe in you and trust you? In some cases, I had, let's not, let's take me out of this. In some cases, we do irreparable damage. And then, you might, and then you might have ended up sacrificing that employee never to be able to work with them again. Or never to restore the, the deeper sense of trust and um, sense of mutuality. Right. I, I can't back over my neighbor with my car and then expect them to be delighted to come over and have a beer with me. Or back over with a truck. <laughs> yeah. Or their cats. So let's move to, um, we have a few minutes left. You've talked about doing the prison work. How does that connect with um, your noble goal? Your- well, one of the, my noble goal, I've never really told you what my noble goal is. My noble goal is to love people unconditionally while maintaining healthy boundaries. So how does that okay. connect with your work and, and your out-of-office work? So when you go into prison and you're talking to people that have been um, locked up for doing something, whatever that was, 
and you are having to care about them because they'll be able to tell if you don't in order to make a difference in their lives, but not condone their behavior. It has to do with loving somebody while maintaining healthy boundaries. Now, statistics are showing us that, and believe me, these are generalized numbers, and it can be argued any way that you want to argue it, but just to give you some sense of where we're at, that 10% of the people that are in prison are truly, honestly innocent. And 80, and 80% of the people in prison deserve to be there because they've done something wrong. And 10% of the people, the other 10% are sociopaths, and they are a problem to our society. So why am I interested in prison work? I'm interested in prison work because these people are people that used to work at jobs and for one reason or another were forced to or made a decision consciously or unconsciously to do something that caused them to go to prison because they were a threat or whatever to society needed to pay a debt. And also think about the fact that you have people that are getting out of prison that are moving in next door to you. And that's and there the one is, that, yeah. And there's many, many, many people that have suffered from or have committed white-collar crime that are moving into all levels of society and buying all levels of houses, and they are possibly not rehabilitated. So the other reason, and this is, this is an important distinction, and is that our, our system we're moving is, toward wrap-up. So our, important distinction. Our system. Our system is set up to do tributive justice and not restorative justice. Okay. So, so and, I... and, emotional, and emotional caring is what ends up helping to change that. So, so that's a, a beautiful way to end, that the emotional caring, while not condoning bad behavior, but Correct. caring enough to help someone heal, recover, and return to society. Or in a business That's context, what my goal is. And in a business context, it's caring enough to have them um, thrive <clears throat> and be successful themselves and the organization, even when we struggle with something they've done. Yes. So it's not it's not condoning um, every, everything just because I'm supposed to be caring. It's as you've said, as your noble goal, loving them, caring for them, and doing the tough love as well as the um, kind expressions, gracious expressions. And I feel very strongly about that. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your gifts and this framework of emotional intelligence with leaders. And hopefully everyone is hearing... Um, and part of the reason I picked Jim is Jim is in an industry that is kind of a tough industry. It's, it's not a touchy-feely industry. And yet, by introducing emotional intelligence in an appropriate business context, it is a differentiator for his company, Varmint Guard. It's the main service of his company, Spirit of EQ. And what he's doing is helping leaders at all levels within organizations improve themselves and the quality of their lives at work and at home and in their communities to be more successful by using this practice 
and, and by owning something that exists in our lives, our emotions, and putting them to good use. So I want to thank everyone for joining Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations, and hopefully you have heard something today that you can experiment with in your professional life. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week. We'll be right back.